Well, we're carrying on with the story of Joseph, and we've got a whopping chunk to get through today. It's uh, all of chapters 39 to 41. And yesterday, we kind of left off seeing that Joseph had been chosen for that role of saving his family, saving his country, saving really the, the nations around him. But not being ready yet, God put him through this process of discipline. And we just kind of talked about that generally. So today, I want to look a little bit more at what kept Joseph going in that process of discipline and, and just one or two things that he learned in on the way so let's pray and I'll, I'll begin uh, father we we come to your word thankful that we have it and that we can understand you through your word and through how you've dealt with your people in the past and I pray that you would speak to us you would challenge us where needed and encourage us where that's needed too and we ask this in Jesus name Amen. Well, we can't possibly <clears throat> go through all three chapters in depth, <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of you are pretty familiar with the story anyway, but just a very brief summary. Um, at, we left it at the end of chapter 37 with Joseph as a slave of Potiphar, and you jump over chapter 38, and we get to the well-known story of how Joseph uh, begins to do very well in Potiphar's house, he has God's favor on him, but then comes to the attention of Potiphar's wife, who once uh, obviously desires him, but he keeps resisting until he's eventually falsely accused by her and unjustly thrown in prison. And then again, as he um, begins to work in the prison, he's put in charge there again. And we know he meets the baker and the cupbearer, and he interprets their dreams, which come true. The baker is executed, but the cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh although he forgets all about Joseph, and so Joseph spends another couple of years in prison. Until finally, Pharaoh has that, that famous dream of his, or the two dreams of the lean cows and the fat cows and the good ears of grain and the thin ears of grain. And at that point, as they're trying to work out what it all means, the cupbearer suddenly remembers that prisoner he once met a couple of years ago who could interpret dreams. And so Joseph gets his post-lockdown shave, which I'm looking forward to at some point, and he comes and is presented to Pharaoh. And of course, God enables him to interpret the dreams. And we know how the story ends. He's made the second in command of Egypt. That's an amazing story. Three chapters in the blink of an eye. But that's really, we re, he, 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 that happens to him when he's 30 years old. And we know he's sold as a slave when he's 17. So that's 13 years of suffering and hardship. But finally, Joseph is set free and putting the, put in this amazing position of power and privilege. That's the kind of story we're covering this morning. So what did Joseph experience in his lockdown? A very unwilling one. And what did it teach him? Well, we, we could simply describe Joseph's experience just in terms of the circumstances. Well, he was sold by his brothers to the traders. Then he was a slave in the house of Potiphar. Then he was an unjustly accused prisoner for many years. But I, th I think the essence of what Joseph experiences, we're given in a little phrase that appears four times in chapter 39. And that's simply this, that the Lord was with Joseph. You see that in verse 2, verse 3, verse 21, and verse 23. It says there four times, the Lord was with him, or the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love. And that was in each of his different experiences, in Potiphar's house as a slave and in prison 
unjustly accused there. And I think that's probably the key thought I want to bring home today is what it meant for Joseph to have God with him as he went through this discipline. I think we, it's an important lesson for us in lockdown because right now, if, well, at least for me, I'm used to being able to get on and serve God, get on and do things for God. But right now, a lot of ambassadors is also in lockdown, can't play football, you can't train people, can't teach people. And so in this time of my lockdown, the question I'm sort of thinking through from this story is how much am I experiencing God with me now? Am I actually making my relationship with him a central point of this whole experience? Or am I just busily getting on with other things that I can find to do to fill my time? There's plenty of paperwork to do in whatever job you have. There's plenty of follow-up, talking to people. And all that can make us very busy. But I also know in my own experience that at those times where I may have a bit of extra time, Maybe the first thought is, oh, what's on Netflix tonight? Or what's on telly? Maybe I'm too busy with entertainment. Maybe I'm using these devotionals, making myself too busy serving God to spend time with God. It's wonderful to dig into the life of Joseph, study all those passages, read them. But am I actually coming to God through this devotional or am I just serving God? We can be very spiritual about this. I've had a, a Bible reading program since I was 17, reading through the Bible every year, pretty much doing it every year. But that can very much be just about, let me do my reading, think about a few things, but I'm I actually coming into God's presence. And I think the danger is that we can easily think that just because we're doing stuff for God, that we're growing in God. And that's not always the case. I've been reading a book that's, been challenging me and and the author says this he says work for god that is not nourished by a deep interior life with god will eventually be contaminated by other things such as ego power the need of approval of others and mistaken ideas of success our activity for god can only properly flow from a life with god and I think that's part of the lesson that Joseph is learning more deeply than any others is that he needs to be with God before he can do anything for God. And yes, he does come to a moment where he's given the, the success and raised up to this position of power. But it doesn't derail him because his character has been forged by that time in the struggles with God in his presence. And there are a few things I think Joseph learned that we can learn from. And there are three of them, but hopefully it won't turn this into a sermon because I'm going to go through them very quickly, just mention them. And the first is he learned humility. If you remember, Joseph had been that spoiled brat not so long ago with a little bit of privilege, a little bit of power over his brothers, that special coat. But now he's a slave. He has to do menial tasks. He's under orders. He has no control over his life. And I think during those 13 years of prison and slavery, God stripped away any illusions he might have had of power and greatness. They were all gone. But as Joseph was with God, he realized that he could just get on and do what God had put in front of him at that point. 
he wasn't worrying about what he thought he should be doing. He just got on with what was in front of him and God was with him in that and it made him a success, even as a slave, even as a prisoner. And this time of learning humility and, and slavery in prison will be invaluable training for when he'll be ruler of Egypt. And there's the truth there that the more responsibility we're given, the more we need to humble ourselves before God because otherwise we will have that service contaminated by our own ego, our own fear of others or wanting to please people. So humility. Secondly, faithfulness. And I won't say much about this. This is the story of, of Potiphar's wife, how she tempted him. It says more than once and he resisted and he even ran from temptation when he had to. And he probably could have got away with it. Seems like Potiphar wasn't there. But the more responsibility we have, the more temptation we face. And us human nature not having changed through the centuries, it will always be these same areas, finances, sexual sin, and perhaps power. But Joseph knew it was wrong in God's eyes. In, in verse 9, it says, how could I do this great wickedness? Not sin against Potiphar, but sin against God. His being with God kept him from sinning against God. Then I think Joseph learned to trust God. His life had been turned upside down, not once, but twice. And we could perhaps blame him for the first time because he was that bit of an arrogant jerk, if you like. But the second time, he's doing everything right. He's serving God faithfully and he's doing a good job in his position. And yet again, he gets thrown into prison unjustly. And you can sense some of his frustration if you read in chapter 40, verse 14, it says this, when all goes well with you, he's talking to the cupbearer, having interpreted his dream, he says, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. And yet he ended up a further two years waiting. He had to trust God, knew what he was doing, and that it was God's timing that counted, not his. And ultimately, his being with God or God being with him enabled him to trust that God is in control. And you can see that in lots of little tiny details through the story. It's amazing how it all comes together. You know, he's about to be killed, but Reuben spares him. He's going to be left in a well, but this group of traders come along. He's taken to Egypt and he's sold to who? He's sold to the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. And that means that when he ended up in prison, he was in the royal prison. And who did he meet there? Well, he met the cupbearer. And what happened to the cupbearer? He had a dream that Joseph interpreted. And then if he'd been actually released when he asked the cupbearer, he wouldn't have been there when Pharaoh had his dream. He probably would have gone back home. And so every little detail of the story shows us, I think Joseph began to see that God was in control. And he began to get God's perspective on things. And I think that's shown in a couple of my favorite verses in these chapters. And that's where he names his sons after he's come out of prison and been put in charge and gets married. And he calls his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. And this is jumping all the way through to chapter 41, verses 51 and 52. And Manasseh means God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. Ephraim means God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He recognized that it was God doing this. God is the one who had made me forget. God is the one who's made me fruitful. And I think that's a wonderful picture for us that God wants to deal with us in the same way in Christ. He wants to deal with our past. He wants to make us forget, if you like, 
by healing and sorting out our brokenness. His forgiveness deals with our sin, but there's so much more that needs dealing with. And I think that's why we need to keep coming to God and to his presence and not just think we can serve him without spending time with him. So he wants to deal with our past and he wants to make us fruitful. And that fruitfulness for Joseph was even in the land of his affliction. And I think the more we invest in being with God, the more fruitful we can be for God. But my tendency is to focus on trying to be fruitful for God without necessarily being with God. So our, our being with God, in the words of the book I read earlier, needs to be deep enough to sustain our doing for God. And perhaps lockdown, although it feels busier, to be honest, may actually be a good time for us to think that through. Now, as we finish, I won't go into detail again, but Joseph does point us to Christ again. Hebrews 2.10, I don't know why I'm, I like Hebrews at the moment, says this, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. It's a fantastic verse and we can't unpack it in detail, but somehow the perfect Christ was perfected. I think it means he was completed through the suffering he went through. Not changed in any way, but enabled to be our pioneer, the one who's gone through everything we've gone through, so that he could bring, as it says there, many sons and daughters to glory. And that's an amazing thought. Well, yesterday we thought how God's discipline was for our good so that we could share in his holiness. Well, Christ blazed the trail of suffering so that he could bring many sons and daughters to glory. And it's just this final thought that Joseph's pattern is Jesus's pattern, and it must be ours too. If we're going to follow that path to glory, then it includes suffering to one degree or another. And that's why it's absolutely vital that our being with God can sustain our doing for God and the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. So I'll pray and then uh, we can chat freely. Father, we thank you for the life of Joseph again and how he shows us in many ways Christ, but yet at the same time he's, like us, had his struggles. He wanted to get out. He didn't know what was going on. And Lord, we can relate to that in many ways. And I pray that um, you'll help us remember that fundamental importance is, is being with you before we try and do things for you. And I uh, pray that that would be something we can focus on during this time of lockdown, but not forget it as soon as life returns to normal. So we commit ourselves to you. We pray your blessing on this day. And we ask that you would continue to work in us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, amen. amen. <laughs>